Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. How many love you some Jesus this morning? Amen. Well, I'm excited um, for a couple different reasons. First of all, if you're a visitor, it's good to have you. Uh, we always love to, to have new people here and call, we call ourselves a family, so by default, you're part of our family. But um, I'm excited because we've been talking in a sermon series called uh, Strategic Fruitfulness, and, and basically the last three weeks, we've, we've really tried to gear in on like, what does it look like this year to be strategic in the things of God and produce fruit in those things, two things that God's very passionate about. And so we talked uh, about hearing God's voice. We've talked about um, listening into that, tuning our ears. We said um, one of the greatest things that you could say this year is speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, as Samuel said. And then we talked last week about faith and action. We said, okay, so now that we've heard God, we have to have faith and action to do it, what he says to do. And, and so um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to have missional hearts in that. So we've heard God, we want to hear from God, we want to have faith to act upon what God says, and really all that stimulates from having missional hearts, meaning a heart that's more than what's happening just right here within and of ourselves. And so um, here in just a few minutes, you're going to have uh, a time that you're going to hear from the team that went to Kenya and Rwanda. And uh, they sent, we sent nine people over, um, a, a, a few from two other different churches than a few that attend here at Reliance. And they got to see God move in a miraculous way. They got to see God move in a miraculous way tangibly, just through the physical things that they did, emotionally through just connecting with people's hearts, spiritually through seeing some healings and different things like that take place. And so I really felt like we needed to hear from them, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Throughout Scripture, um, you'll hear when people go on these journeys, when Paul would go on his missionary journeys or when he would send out others to go on missionary journeys, they would always send back a report, and that report was to stimulate the faith of the body. That, that what they encountered, what they experienced, not everybody's jumping on a jet plane and going over to Rwanda, not everybody's jumping on a plane and going over to Kenya, but these reports then stir our hearts so that we have missional hearts and what it is that God wants us to do. And when we have missional hearts, we will be strategic in the fruitfulness that God has called us to do. And so I want you to hear that as a church, we feel passionate about this. We're very passionate about this identity that we want to be a missional place. We want to be a place that's not just coming in, but that's sending out. Amen? We want to be a place where we believe that we have a sending God. We serve a sending God. In fact, if you look all through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, you'll see where God is a sending God. He goes to Abraham. Abraham's comfortable in his life, right where he's at. He's probably living in an okay place. God says, go. Go, I'm sending you out. And, and, and of course, Abraham says, where am I going? He says, I'll tell you when you get there, right? And so, so he sends Abraham. He's ascending God. And you read throughout where he's sending, he's sending, he's sending. He's sending people into the nations. He's sending people into the foreign lands. He's sending people into their back doors. He's ascending God. Then we get to the New Testament. Jesus' whole heart is sending people out. He gets his disciples all stirred up. He gets his disciples all juiced up, and he says, now I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. Go, proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. I mean, he's sending them out with power. And so we, we read just all through, and then you get to the Great Commission, and you see he's ascending God. And so um, we understand that God is ascending God. And when we begin to understand that God is ascending God, we simply are responding to the character of God. Amen, church? Like, that's what we want to do. We want to simply respond to the character of God, his purpose, and the world that he gave us to live in. And, and because, of, because he's ascending God, it means that you and I are to be sent. Now, there's various forms of that we're going to talk about later on after the missions team shares. But I want you to hear this. 
Um, when we talk about being a missional church, a missional church is not just going and doing something, okay? A missional church is not just going and doing something. A missional church is about not just going to the foreign mission field and, and, and just going on that missionary trip. A missional church is understanding the work of God in our hearts and joining him in that work. So maybe that's a foreign land for you. Or, or, or maybe that's your back doors in your, in your neighborhoods, or, or maybe that's in the grocery stores, or maybe that's in your sphere of influence. And so I want you to hear when the team comes up here and they're talking about Rwanda and they're talking about Kenya, I want it to stir your hearts, but I don't want you to just be like, well, that's just never going to be me. It's never going to be me to jump on an airplane and go somewhere. It's never, listen, being missional isn't about going somewhere foreign. It's about a heart that we have that we are sent ones, Amen. And so I want, I want us to gravitate towards that. And uh, so I'm going to invite the missions team. You guys can come on up. And uh, um, they're going to kind of share one at a time. And I don't know how many of you guys are here this morning. Three, four of you guys. Awesome. And uh, uh, I want to just encourage you that when you hear their stories again, um, I, I, want, I, I want you to think about it from the perspective of God's heart. What they saw, what they interacted with, what does that look like in our everyday life as well, and so can I just can I pray over you guys real quick, and then um, yeah, and then we'll get started. And you can bring your yeah, however you want to bring your chairs, wherever you want to bring your chairs. Let's just pray over them if you would, church. God, we pray that um, as the mission team speaks today, Father, about the journey that they were on and where you took them and what they did. God, would you give them the words that you want them to share with us, God? And those words, God, may those words cut deeply. Jesus, we believe that um, your word cuts deeply. It says it's like a double-edged sword. And so as they share these words of what they experienced, God, I pray that it cuts deeply inside of us and it affects change, God. I don't want to be so um, uh, just nonchalant, God, about the missional church that you've called us to be. God, I want it to stir us and move us and move our affections and get us, God, to a place of saying, I'm tired of talking about it and I'm ready to do it. And so, Jesus, would you bless their words, God? Would you uh, bless their testimonies, God? In your name we pray these things. Amen. Can we welcome them today, church? Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be back with you. Um, this, is, this is part of the team. There was nine of us that went, and uh, a couple came from a, a different church. And so we're just so uh, excited that we were united in this. And um, for starters, I think all of us can admit that jet lag is a real thing. So... Um, hopefully we make uh, sense this morning. I'll be honest with you, uh, as I was preparing for this this morning, um, Aaron and I talked earlier in the week, actually I think we were over in Africa, and we talked about, you know, having an opportunity to share. And um, I, I really struggled when I got home to think about what to share. Uh, there's just so many things that you kind of see and feel, and so many things that the Lord does, and so many faces that you see. And, and you just think, okay, Lord, Lord what in, in basically seven minutes or six minutes that, that I have, what is it that I can share? And I'll also admit this, this morning when I got here, um, I'm still raw. Like, I'm, I'm like, the Lord's still, you know, he's interacting with my heart and, and seeing what we saw. And so I'm still processing this. I think the team is, so you can pray for us. Um, yeah, that the, that the Lord would just get to us where he wants to get to us. And so there's still a little bit of rawness to that. And I'm, 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 I'm thankful for that, actually, um, that the Lord is, is, is working on my tender heart. Um, but I will say this, uh, first of all, thank you so much. And, and I mean that. It's not just lip service. I'm not just, I'm not just saying thanks just to kind of say, hey, uh, just as a generic thing. I, I'm saying thank you from the bottom of my heart because I really, I, I felt the love and support of, a, of, of our church family. And I mean that. 
And um, we felt like we, we had uh, our church family in Africa with us at, at many points, and so really do appreciate that. Second of all, I want to say this. I am super, super, super proud to call Reliance my church home. And again, I mean that. And, and I mean that because of this. I, I think Reliance really in 2018 and now into 2019 has taken steps towards really taking hold of what it means to be a missional church. Like that we care what happens 8,000 miles away. We care. Like when you, you look at some of these children in the faces and you say, this is the gospel right here. The love of Jesus compels us. Not just that we would stay inward focused, but that we would see outside these walls. Yeah, across the street to our neighbors, but also 8,000 miles away. So I'm super proud of you, Reliance. And I'm also proud in this way. The school that was being built in Rwanda, um, it cost about $105,000 for phase one. And uh, Reliance was able to give almost 60% of that. And so, yeah, that's a praise. Amen. But I, I don't want that to be like a self-congratulating, like, oh, look at us, look at us. Th that's great, and I'm super pumped about that. But I want to say this. I was able to experience the village that is right on the outskirts of this, of this school. And I will tell you this, and I am not exaggerating, that school will change an entire village. And it's not just because they'll get a, a great education, which is awesome, but because the love of Christ just emanates from that place. I mean, it, it, it is unbelievable. And so I want to say thank you, Reliance, for sowing in. Because you're changing not just this generation, but generations upon generations. We sent roughly over $60,000 last year to help phase one and, and buy the ground. That, that's money, and that's great. But they're also, like, it's building blocks for spiritual foundations. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are physical bricks. But there's so much more to that. So thank you, Reliance. I'm super proud that we can invest and sow into the kingdom in this way. And so... Um, a couple things, I, I want to share just two stories, and again, there's just so much to share. But um, we were able to, uh, in this village, um, which is, uh, the, the school is located right on the outskirts of it. It's walking, I mean, you walk about 100 yards, you're in the village. But in this village, we were able to, on a couple days during the afternoon, go out and hand out Bibles and pray with people. And um, I have never experienced and seen people that are so hungry and thirsty for the Word of God. There is a couple stories, and I know Courtney's going to share one, but there's one story. The, the first day that we, we handed out Bibles, there was a worker who was uh, working at the school, and he lived in the village, and he waited patiently, and he was wanting a Bible so desperately, so bad, and he kept asking, can I have a Bible, can I have a Bible, and unfortunately, on day one, we weren't able to give him one. We only had a limited number, and so day two comes around, and he comes up again, and right when we pull up, can I have a Bible, can I have a Bible, in his own, in his own language, and unfortunately, we weren't able to give him one there. Because it would have been a, like a rush kind of thing. Everybody would have rushed in because everybody wanted a Bible. And so we said, we're going to try. We're going to try. And so we go out to the village, and for about 30 minutes, he follows us. He's just kind of following us about 10 yards behind, just, just desperately wanting the word of God. So finally, there was a, there was a time when, when we felt, okay, we can, we can give him a Bible. And um, this, this is a sweet interaction with him. We got to pray for him. And what he prayed for is that the Lord would forgive him for all the bad things he's done. He just simply w wanted to know that the word of God was true. And he held that Bible. Like, I, I just, I, it's hard to even put into words is how tightly somebody can hold the word of God. When I have 10 at my house laying in different corners. And yet he's never had a Bible of his own in his own language. And so that's, that's one story. And then 
And then the second story is this. Near the end of our trip, we went into uh, a slum in Nairobi, which is where Cindy's Hope is located, one of, one of the, the three schools that she has. There's, there's two in Kenya and then one in Rwanda uh, that's being built. And so we go, and this is actually the front, the front gate looking out from the school in this slum. It's called Eastley Slum. And that's supposed to be a street, but unfortunately it's kind of been turned into a trash uh, dump. And so um, we go to this, uh, this school and go to the next page. And this school is kind of like an o- oasis, or next picture. This, this school is kind of like an oasis in the middle of this slum. And the courtyard, which these kids are playing in, is probably not a whole lot bigger than, than, this, than this stage, maybe a little bit bigger. And um, we got a chance to, to, to pray and to sing and to play games with these children. And it's in a predominantly Somali neighborhood. And so a lot of them um, are Muslim. And because this provides such a great education, Cindy's Hope does, many, many Muslim families want their kids to get into this school, even knowing that it teaches Christian principles and it teaches the gospel in the name of Jesus. And so there was one moment when we were singing with these kids, and you'll see the little gal in the background. She's, a, she's from a Muslim family. She has the head covering. And I remember we were singing this song called Everlasting Love. I've known this song a long time. We sing it at most kids' functions. It's a lot of fun, and you just dance, and you sing. And I remember I was having a blast, and we were just we were singing. I was looking at all the kids smiling. And then I caught the face. You can go to the next slide. Of this little girl in the front, you can see her. She, she's a little Muslim girl. She comes from a Muslim family. She's got her fingers in her mouth. And I remember looking at her, and we're singing this song about the everlasting love of Christ. And I remember thinking, like, this is not just some sing-songy melody that's fun to dance to. Like, this is a declaration of truth over this little girl's life. Amen? And I just remembered, like, just thinking, like, Lord, I pray that you just grab her heart. And I pray that she becomes a daughter of the living king. She's worth it. She's valuable. She's loved. She is loved by a heavenly father. And that that just gripped me. And then, by God's grace, the next day, we got a chance to go out and pray with three different families in the Eastley slum area. And I think two out of three were Muslim families. And we got a chance in the name of Jesus, and we were received into their home. We, we, we made sure we were respectful. But we got to pray in the name of Jesus that they would find hope and victory, that their family would find protection and safety in the arms of Christ. And we got to pray that. Only by God's grace could we stand in a living room a small, there's really one room. There's no really living room. It's, it's it. With, with six children and a mom and a Muslim family and say, Jesus loves you. And so, again, Reliance, I just want to say thank you because uh, when you go to places like this, you just realize the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. And so I want to say thank you for sowing and sending and being a missional church. I pray that we never, ever, ever lose that. That's the Great Commission. Amen. Ben. Hello, everybody. My name is Ben. I don't know if everybody knows me. Hey. Um, thanks again. Like Ryan said, we can't thank you guys enough for, for sending us and giving us the opportunity to go. It was, it was life-changing in a lot of ways, but the Lord was moving over there also. Um, and as I was thinking about what to share... Um, I think a lot of what he, he was just kind of revealing, like, what, what did he do in our hearts, as well as, you know, I'm going to share some stories, but I think the biggest takeaway from going over there was just jumping into this, like, simplicity of, of life, 
I mean, it was kind of a, a disconnect from all the things that we have over here. And I know not everybody gets to experience that. And so um, I'm going to try and explain, I guess, wh what that did for me in the best way I can. But it was just kind of like jumping outside of, of all the chaos and the busyness that we wrap ourselves in. Um, I began to see how much the Lord really is always talking to us. I mean, he really is there and he's always speaking but so often I think we can get wrapped up in things that don't matter or, you know, even just busyness in our, you know, daily lives that, you know, we're choosing to jump into that we miss the voice of God. And so I think we often see, too, you know, people go out on missions and um, we're like, oh, the Lord is doing all these things over there. That's amazing. Like, he just does stuff when you go out. But I think he wants to do stuff here, too, like so much. Um, and... I think we just miss it a lot. There's a lot of confusion. We're letting a lot of voices in. We're letting a lot of opinions in and a lot of other things. And he's always there, you know. And so there was just true clarity when you kind of step outside of the chaos. But with, with all that, you know, we also learned a lot of what it really means to live spirit-led. Um, these people don't have a lot. And so you're kind of just going with the flow of what the Lord wants to do, you know. Um, and one of the days I remember we were praying over um, funding and getting into the prison to, to speak and pray for Bibles for these prisoners. And we didn't have a lot, but um, we just kind of gave it up to the Lord. And in those moments of just being with him and resting and kind of quieting the mind, it just heard him delighting and speaking so much of like, finally, like, just give it to me. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm telling you to give in this area that's completely unrelated, do it. You know what I mean? And it's not just financially, but all these things, and we had an opportunity to do that. I know I'm kind of getting back and forth, rabbit trailing. We had an opportunity to do that with a church we ended up joining on a Sunday and got to help them with some of their funding to finish a building, and it kind of put us in this pickle later down the road, like, all right, what are we going to do? We have to pay for all these Bibles, you know? Well, I mean, it was like we heard about it the day after or something like that. After we had um, helped with the other church funding, um, we heard it the day we were going to the prison, like still needing funding and whatnot, um, that the the group that Cindy was going through to buy these Bibles had actually already donated 9,000 Bibles to the, the prison, which is like triple what we would have been able to give in the first place. And so just trusting that he's going to do it, you know, just trusting that he's there, he's moving, and he wants to, you know, he wants to be our provision. You know, we're constantly, Lord, I trust you, you know, you're a provider, but how often do we give him the chance you know, to really be that, and uh, that was a pretty cool story to get to see just him delighting in, in an obedient people, like, all right, I want to do stuff, I'm going to I'm gonna bless you, I'm going to flow with this ministry, um, let me do it, you know, um, and so that was really powerful, um, and on the same takeaway, there was um, kind of going into what we were doing construction and things with, with the Rwanda crew building the, the schools, um, there was a couple days where I was like, all right, well, what are we really, you know, we're, we're contributing here, but sometimes it did feel like maybe we were even slowing them down a little bit. They kind of had their, their flow, you know, they're knocking it out, and then these white people come and join in, and it's like we have to teach them everything. They're kind of like, you know, and then we're also like a huge distraction because we're just talking with them, trying to communicate, and it was a lot of fun. But I think it was, it was a good distraction. I mean, it was a lot of fun, and we did get some things done, but you kind of just wonder what your real impact is there, you know. Um, and I told the crew we would debrief, you know, whenever we got back or in the mornings. And um, after really, like, thinking on that, I'm like, what are we really doing here? At some points, he just kind of revealed to me, like, is it not enough just to love my people well? Like, I have you here. And through that, um, 
you know, the next few days we went out and just started talking with people, just started communicating, you know, learning their language a little bit, joking around, and, you know, it was fun because you really don't know what everybody's saying all the time. You just kind of laugh with it, and <laughs> you're like, ah, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but through that, it created a lot of amazing opportunities, and we actually got to um, one guy, we're, we're talking, and, and he ended up bringing out, you know, just, just things of addiction, and like, what does the Lord say about that? Um, are these like really bad things or whatever? And through through talking, he wanted to uh, be free from addiction. And so we got to pr- pray with him. He got down on his hands and knees. Like we didn't even ask. We're like, oh yeah, we'll pray with you. And he immediately dropped to the ground. Like he just felt the presence of the Lord, like the power and the reverence, what it really is to to get before the Lord. And that was really cool to see. So we prayed with him. Um, and just before we left, he wanted to be baptized. And he got to yeah, got to get connected with the church, the same church that we. Went to the Sunday before to help build, um, connected him with the pastor there, and so they're baptizing him. But yeah, just some cool stories. But there's so much power in prayer and, and walking with the Spirit. Like, yeah, it's crazy, crazy awesome. Hello. Um, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about um, Rwanda. So we were in Rwanda the second week, and um, that's where Cindy's building her newest school, um, where we did a lot of the helping. Um, But (laughs) I don't know if you guys know anything about Rwanda. Um, There was like a mass genocide there from 1990 to 1994. Um, And basically these two tribes um, were just, you know, hacking each other to death. Like, we went through the genocide museum, and it, it kind of shared, like, how people had passed or how they had died, and um, a lot of them were betrayed by their friends and their families, and um, it said that, like, children were thrown against the wall and, like, hacked by machetes, and just all this death and destruction, and the president basically came in um, after that, and the prisons were being overcrowded, and he said, if you can go to one another, the families that you've committed these crimes against will let you out. And um, if you want to take it a step further, we have these reconciliation camps, and you can live alongside the families that you've hurt. And so that's where we were building the school. And um, I think it was just amazing to walk next to these kids and kind of see the power of reconciliation um, and just be aware again, like, God hasn't left us. Like, he... He has, there's power in the gospel, like, there's power, like, it's cross-cultural, there's the gospels for Africa, and the gospels for America, and the gospels for your workplace, and it's for your marriage, and it's for your families, and your children, and your neighbors, and your enemies, and just being reminded of how much power the gospel has, Um, and I think, like Ben said, being taken away from the sort of distractions that we have here, and just really being submerged in the Holy Spirit and um, really seeking him like he's wooing you like he's he's coming after you he's seeking you and all you have to do is just meet him where he's at like he's just waiting for you Um, and another story about um, passing out the Bibles um, this woman Francine she had been had she'd followed us a little bit when we were passing out Bibles and um, our driver needed to have some work done on his tires or something so we needed him. He was translating for us, so we needed to get back to the vehicle, and this lady had been following us. I think it was the last Bible we handed out, or the second to the last, and so we were like, well, maybe this this is for you, and um, she had us pray for her just for peace, and 
the just like Ryan said, it's really difficult to communicate the kind of like grasp or desire that these people had for the word of God. Like we handed it to her and she immediately like pulled it to her chest. Like it was the most treasured thing she'd ever owned. And um, again, just being reminded of the power of the gospel, man, it's, it's incredible and it's here, it's in reliance and it's everywhere. Just, just got to seek it. So yeah, that's Hi, my name's Caitlin. Um, yeah, so it was just a lot. <laughs> we, you know, were there two weeks, and we got to go to each location of Cindy's Hope and then uh, spend a lot of time in Rwanda and um, pour into that village and just still processing everything that we saw. Um, you know, you can hear stories, and it's like, oh, that's awesome, but until you see it in person and meet these people and see the way that they're living and the children and it's just heart-wrenching. It's just not something you can't forget. Um, and so just a couple stories that really touched my heart. Um, in Rwanda, like they were saying, we were walking the village around the school and handing out Bibles and praying for people. And um, we had just left this lady's house. We were walking on the street, and I see this um, lady walking towards us, and she has a baby strapped to her back and a toddler at her side, and she's just walking, and I just instantly felt the Lord's heart for her, and it was just like this rush of love for her, and that um, she, I just, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just so much love for this lady, and so um, I stopped and uh, asked to talk with her and asked her name, and I couldn't pronounce it, um, but um, just asked if we could pray with her, and um, so we pray with her, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell her that she was a good mom and that he sees her. And even praying for her, I was getting emotional, and she started getting emotional and crying, and I didn't really know why. I just felt so much love for her and wanted the Lord to show her how he sees her. And uh, it was just, it's hard because, you know, her children don't have shoes. They have rags on, just really filthy. The baby on her back had a sore on its face and flies were eating it. And it was just, it was hard to see people living like that. Um, and we give her a Bible and pray that she will teach her children the word and that the Lord will bless her family. And as we're leaving, I was talking to the translator just about how my heart, you know, ached for her and he was like, well, yeah, she said that um, she had just lost a child. And I was just like, oh, I had no idea. I didn't, I guess I didn't hear that part. Um, but just that was confirmation that, you know, we weren't even at her house or going to her house. But God crossed our paths because she needed to know that she was loved and that he still sees her in the midst of that hurt. Um, and so I'm still praying for every day that she reads that word and teaches her children and that God will bless her family. Um, and then another story, uh, we were in Rwanda and uh, working at this school, and us girls, like, we can't really do the work. We tried. Courtney carried bricks, and they just laugh at us, like, everything that we would do uh, was just so funny to them for some reason. Um, I didn't think there was more ways to carry bricks, but apparently there are. Um, so we just kind of didn't really know. We would sit with the kids, but there was 
a lot of children and didn't speak our language. So we were just sitting there and like, okay, what do we do? And we honestly were sitting in chairs watching the guys work. <laughs> we're just like, you're doing great, like praying for the school and stuff. And then all of a sudden my sister, um, she said, I feel like we're supposed to pray for um, the foreman. His name was Venustin. We're supposed to pray for his legs. He had a cane. And uh, we're like, okay. And she's like, I think they're different lengths. And so we bring him over and try to communicate with him as best we can and pray for him. And he said he was in a car accident and broke his femur. And that's why he had the cane for a little bit. So we pray for him and he's like, yeah, it feels good. Thanks. And she was like, no, I still feel like his legs are different lengths. Like, I don't know why. And so she, like, holds up his legs. He probably thought we were the craziest white people. And so she, like, he's in a chair, and she just holds up his legs. And they were obvious different lengths, like maybe half an inch different, where it was like, oh, yeah, they're not the same length. And so um, we just all start praying over him. And I'm watching, and I'm kind of like, actually, it was during the time when I think Courtney was doing live with you guys here, um, which we didn't know. But that was kind of cool that at the same time we were praying for him. And I'm watching his feet, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're probably not going to grow. Like, I was struggling with doubt. And um, I, like, look up, and I'm just praying, like, okay, God, please, you know, heal his legs. And I look back down, and it's, like, moving and literally becoming the same length as the other foot. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And I kind of just, like, looked at Cindy and looked at Emma. I'm like, oh, Emma just grew. Like, <laughs> what just happened? And it was like, I couldn't even describe it. It was just, they weren't the same length, and then they were. And the foreman's face was just kind of looking at us, like, what is happening right now? And we were like, your leg grew. And he's just like, <laughs> like, he didn't really say anything. And we're like, yeah. And so the rest of the time, he was just carrying his cane around, wasn't using it. And that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Um, so, yeah, it was just awesome to see that, how the Lord used us and how he wants to do that stuff here. And even when I was there, I felt like God said, like, don't let yourself get into this mindset of, I go overseas and I'm like, oh, God, use me. I want to bless these people. I'll give whatever. I'll help them. But then I come back to the States and I'm just in my house doing my own thing. And I just, I don't like that I switch that mindset when God wants me to always have the mindset to help those around me and to speak truth into people's lives um, everywhere we go. So, yeah. So I want to encourage you guys with that. Cindy's Hope is somebody we've supported for a long time, and they went over to do the reconciliation uh, villages uh, in Rwanda, but she also offers two orphanages in, in Kenya. And many of these kids that she takes in, um, either they've been abandoned or they've been abused. And so she takes these kids in, and it's a tremendous opportunity for her to invest the love of Jesus in them. And so, um, as Ryan said, there's tables out there. You can check out some of the things that she sells to kind of just help, um, yeah, just kind of help with, with paying for things for those kids and, and just an encouragement to them. Um, I want to I kind of go a little bit further with this. I, I, ta I told you that, you know, we, we've, we've been on this thing for strategic fruitfulness. What does that look like, hearing the voice of God, all those things? And what does it mean to be a missional community? And you've, you've heard us say that word missional a lot. You've probably heard us use that quite a bit in here. And, and John 20, 21 kind of gives us the heart of that. And this is one of our favorite scriptures. I feel like this last year we shared this a lot. But John 20, 21, Jesus says, as the Father sent me... I also send 
you. And so again, we get a picture of God's heart that he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus into a broken world. He sent Jesus into a dark world. He sent Jesus into a people who needed hope. And now Jesus is saying, just as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Now there's, there's something we need to gravitate towards that, okay? Jesus is giving us the role that he had, right? Amen? Amen? He's giving us the role. As the Father sent me, so now I am sending you. And so the same role that Jesus had, he's now giving us that same role. And so we believe that he meant what he said. We believe that that wasn't just something that sounded good to him. And everybody's like, oh, cool, we got to be like Jesus. No, like he's giving us a commission in his life. And so I want you to hear this. The things that matter most to Jesus matter most to us. That's the first thing when we talk about being a missional community. The things that matter most to Jesus should matter most to us. You notice that in life, especially in our Christian life, we get involved with so many things that probably were never really the heartbeat of Jesus. Come on now. Yeah? Like where the piano goes and where the, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you've grown up, if you've grown up in church, like we, we fight, we argue, we, we beat ourselves up against these things that you really never see that Jesus talked about. And so what we do is we get involved in all these other things, but the reality is, is that what matters most to Jesus is what should matter most to us. And so there are three things that I just want to look at real quickly that mattered most to Jesus. Number one is the cross. Number two is community. And number three is culture. These three things, the cross, community, and culture, should be valued in the heart of every believer. In fact, I've got a diagram up here, and this is what it looks like. Every believer sent by Jesus with the cross in community to culture is missional living, okay? I want you just to note that for a minute. These three things were important to Jesus. Number one, the cross, loving Jesus, knowing what he did for us, knowing that we've been saved and redeemed because of him, loving Jesus. Number two, to community, loving one another. This is a big deal, loving one another in community. This right here is a big deal. I talk with people all the time and say, I don't need church, don't need a group of people. I do my own thing with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Your relationship with Jesus, and I believe this, is something you have to make, but he says, all through his word, do not forsake getting together like this. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. Be in community with one another. Make sure that you're not a lone ranger Christian trying to do this thing on your own. So, so this is important to Jesus, loving one another. And then number three is loving the lost. So when we look at culture, and we know that Jesus is countercultural, we need to look at culture, and we need to see it with the eyes of Christ. Not as, look at where culture is going. It's going down this bad path. And look. Probably most of the time it is, right? But we need to be able to look at culture through the eyes of Christ and go, but look at the hurting. Look at the broken. Caitlin shared the story of the mom who just needed the love of Jesus. That's what she needed. And so I pray that, that as we talk about being a missional place, that this is what we embrace. We embrace the love of Jesus. We embrace the cross. We embrace the love of one another where we're exper uh, experiencing community with one another and we're engaging the lost. We're loving the lost. And so that, that way the mission of Christ is advanced. Now let me just share a couple things on what this looks like. So when I think of being a missional community, this means whether we cross the oceans, li listen, whether we cross the oceans or we cross the street, God's mission in the world ought to be our defining reference point for life. Amen? Whether you cross the ocean or you cross the street. How many of you know that every single neighbor on your street, your cul-de-sac, your community are believers in Christ? How many of you guys know that for a fact? All right. Awesome. So you live in my neighborhood. Amen? 
So, so we know, we know then that there is mission everywhere we go. We know that there is mission across our streets. We know there is mission that's happening in the communities that we live around. In church life, if you grew up in church life, I want to share this with you. You can statistically see something. If a church does not actively nurture the missional life inside of itself, missional, sent ones, missional, getting out, missional, going forward. If the church does not actively nurture this missional life, its end is near. Amen? Amen? We know this because statistically, if you look up every single year in the United States, 4,000 to 7,000 churches close their doors annually. Seven, oh, four to 7,000 churches shut their doors annually each year because at some point in time of their life, and there may be other factors that factor in this, but at some point in time of their life, they became so inward focused, they forgot they were the sent ones. They forgot that they were the missional ones. And listen, this doesn't mean a missional church has to freak out and start saying, well, we've got to plan activities and we've got to plan more and we've got to do these things and we've got to have more projects and we've got to do... I want to tell you what it means. It means that it starts in our hearts. It's not about sitting here and making an agenda. We've got to have at least 10 mission trips now. That's not what it's about. We've got to do 10 service projects now. That's not what it means. You can do a lot of work that looks missional but not have a heart for it. Amen. So it starts right here with our hearts. Now I want to just say right now to you, Reliance, there are two kinds of churches then because of this that you'll find in, in the world. You'll find missional churches and you'll find fellowship churches. Let me share quickly what the details of those would look like. It, 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 unless a church community has intentionally and regularly engages with a sense of community in their missional life, that they're a missional church, it will eventually settle for fellowship. Now listen to what I mean, as its primary purpose for existing. And fellowship is good. We all want fellowship. It's awesome. I'm not diminishing fellowship. I'm not diminishing that we get together and we rub shoulders with one another and we do life together. I'm not diminishing any of those things. The Holy Spirit brings that inside of the church. However, if fellowship becomes the primary purpose of the church, you'll be a place that's ingrown. And when fellowship becomes the primary purpose of the church and you become a place that's simply ingrown, losing the missional heart to go and reach, then you will begin to decline and die. If you notice the great commission that Jesus gave us in his words was to go, everybody say go, go. and make. It was to go and to make. It's important. He didn't say to stay and talk. Amen? He says go and make, not stay and talk. And listen, fellowship's a part of what we do. Doing life is a part of what we do. I want to hear those, you to hear those words again. If the primary function of a church is simply fellowship, we've missed out on the heart of God. So this should stir us a little bit. The problem with the primary purpose existing for fellowship only is it usually becomes centered on me. It becomes centered on my needs, my wounds, my issues, rather than being centered on others. This focus can diminish the importance of reaching the lost, inviting others to experience the hope of Jesus. Now, on the other side, you have the missional church. So that's the fellowship church. On the other side, you have the missional church where the primary purpose of existing is the mission of Jesus Christ. Go make, be sent. You're the sent ones. This church is what's going to produce fruit that will last because it's not solely focused on what happens within four walls. It's focused on the mission of Jesus. So let me look at it, look at it like this. Bring in a group of people in love with Jesus who are brought into his mission 
their, the mission of God beats in your heart. Bring in to, to, to a church people that have that love of Jesus with his mission. Fellowship will happen because of the Holy Spirit. On the other side, bring a pe group of people together for the purpose of fellowship only. No matter how much they love Jesus, within a couple of years, they'll begin to ask themselves a question, why am I here? You see, you need both. You need fellowship. You need mission. But before you have fellowship, you need to have the mission of Jesus first. If we were to break down what this looks like then, what does it mean to be missional? I want you to hear me say this. Don't, it's not a feeling or an obligation uh, of feeling guilt or sometimes like fear, like, well, I've never been on a mission trip. I don't even, I don't, I don't even know what that looks like. That's not my gift. My gifting's not, you know, missional or whatever, right? So, look, I, I want you to hear the heart in this. It, it, it's not to guilt or make us feel like, man, we're just not measuring up to the standard of God in those ways. That's not what it's about. A missional community is a family of Christ followers just simply bent on the purpose of Jesus where each of us, listen to me, are sent into your sphere of influence. You're sent into your sphere of influence. It could be your neighborhood. I asked you how many of you guys know your neighborhood is all saved. No hands went up, okay? It could be sent into your neighborhood. It could be sent into some niche of your society, whether it's a vocation, whether it's a hobby or a sport that you do, whether it's a, or a focused cause that you're a part of, whatever it is. It's you being sent into that. It's not about finding a project. It's not about saying I've got to jump on that plane. What it is, it's about finding where it is that you already fit into society, into culture, okay? So you're in life with Jesus, you're in community, and you're going into culture, wherever it is that you fit in there, and then rather than just trying to find a project, what it is, it's a place for us then. It's being here at Reliance. It's a place for us to champion each of you in the mission gifts that God has given you, in the place that you're already going into each and every day. For example, did you notice that, that if, if someone from our church family felt led to move over, let's say to Kenya, so I want to move to Kenya. And I'm just going to live over in Kenya, and I'm going to teach at one of Cindy's schools. All of a sudden, we would label them missionary, right? We would put, well, they're a missionary. Well, if you're going to go over there to Kenya, you're a missionary. But here's the thing, because you're going to teach these kids about Jesus. But we've got teachers in here who teach at Goddard, and we just call them a school teacher, right? You realize something, that if we're going over to Kenya, and we're putting you in one of Cindy's schools, you're a teacher over there, and you're a missionary because we've labeled that in our minds. But somehow when you go into the school systems in Goddard, and you teach, we just label you a school teacher. And then we say, you need to find out what your mission is. <laughs> Listen to me, church. Every one of you are missionaries. Every one of you are missionaries. There are some that are global missionaries where you need support and you go over and do your global things. But every single one of you in your workplaces right here and right now are missionaries. Do I hear an amen? We just need to start building that up in our life. That the reason I go to work is for the purposes of Jesus. That the reason I go to the neighborhood things are for the purposes of Jesus. That he's stirring something in your hearts. And we see it as this in Matthew 5, 13 and 14. That you are salt. You're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. You are light. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Church, I, I want to I do something then as we get ready to close out. Because I, I want to have time for the worship team. You guys can come on up. I want you to hear this truth today when we talk about missional, being a missional church, missional living. We right here, this group of people, we right now, we can chase after all these things, all these different projects. We can do, we can fill our lives with busyness. We can fill our lives with business. We can look the part. It can look amazing. But if we don't have the missional heart of Jesus beating inside of us, it's all for naught. Amen? 
We're just doing to do. We're just working to work. We're not really producing fruit, but boy, it looks like we're laboring like crazy. There's something in this missional life that Jesus has called us to that's not just busyness. There's something in this missional life that Jesus has called us to that's not just trying to fill your time with more things. If you want, I can give you a thousand things going on in the life of the church that you can come to this week. But it's not going to do any good if the heart of Jesus is not stirring your affections inside of you to go out and live this missional lifestyle in your everyday life. Then you're just coming into the church and you're going and doing whatever it is. You're coming in, you're just going and doing whatever it is. And God, I believe, more than anything, strategically, we're talking about strategic fruitfulness, God is calling each and every one of us in this place to do the missional living of Jesus in our every single day lives. And so, I don't know what that looks like for you. Man, the missions team, when they came back, they were sharing stories and they just stirred my heart for some things. I know in my heart that this is going to be a year that we really chase after missional things. I know it. We've got dreams. I'm just going to throw some of these out to you. I'm probably running way before the Lord right now, so forgive me, God, if he backtracks. Don't hold me accountable to these things, all right? But look, like, I know that we're called. I believe as a church that we're called to start some type of a freedom house on the south side of Wichita with a church that we want to partner with. I feel in my heart like this stirring that we want to go and want to start this freedom house for people stuck in addictions, can't get jobs, all these different things in this broken down little church, this little community. I believe it. I believe in my heart that we're called to invest ourselves and sow ourselves into these organizations and these ministries that are happening in the city. We've got groups that go in to the brothels. We've got groups that go into massage parlors. We've got groups that go into where there's these strip clubs and they're ministering to these women that are broken and that are literally Everything in them has been stripped from them of their value and their identity, and they're giving them value. We've got groups that we're connected with that are doing that. We've got groups that are connected with this second chance from addictions and people who've run in in just crazy lifestyles. We've got a gal here in the church who started a house for people coming out of addictions and coming out of rehabilitation places. She needs help. She started a house, man. She's going to have eight guys living there that just need to be loved on. opportunities, but if we're just a place of fellowship and that's it, then we're missing the missional heart of Jesus. But if we have the missional heart of Jesus, trust me, fellowship will come within us. So what does that look like for you to engage in missional living? Are you a sent one? Are you just a set one right now? God is sending us out. I want to encourage you this morning as we pray over us, sing this last song, what does it look like to be sent? What does it look like to be sent for the things of God? Let me pray over us. Father God, we thank you for your love and your mercy. Jesus, I believe that, um, I believe that you are stirring us in a different direction this year as a church of just not being a place where we come and sit, where we come and just sit and we rub elbows with one another and then you know, we, we get up and every now and again we see each other in the grocery stores or whatever. God, I don't believe that that's our only target. That's not what we're after. God, but our target is to be missional, to be sent, to be sent out, God. And so, Lord, I'm praying this morning that wherever it is, whatever sphere of influence that you have us in, God, whatever it is that we're doing, Lord, that we would see ourselves as missionaries. 
that you put us into that place strategically for such a time as this. I'm praying, Father, that we would invest ourselves into what's happening locally, around our cities and around our, our towns, God, where we can invest ourselves in the missions. <coughs> and Lord, I'm also praying. I'm praying for those that'll jump on jet planes. For those that'll jump on jet planes and go to places, Lord, that are unreached. For those that'll jump on jet planes, God, and go to the deepest and darkest places. I'm praying, God, for more favor in that. I don't know what this year holds for us, Jesus. But I do know that we're going to chase the mission of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that into this body of believers, that, God, we would take on the mandate that you've given us. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.